Thank you so much for joining us here at Word Baptist Church. I'm Jamar Andrews. I'm the lead pastor, and I get the great privilege of shepherding here. I'm excited that you're joining us today for this sermon. You're about to receive text-driven preaching. My prayer is that God speaks to you through this time as you listen to this message. So enjoy, and God bless. invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 19. I haven't been able to say that in a long time. And so um, we will continue our series uh, today through the book of Revelation, picking back up in our unveiled series. Uh, and we don't have much of the book left, but uh, I would say we have my favorite parts of the book left. Uh, but before we get uh, too far uh, into the text, I do want to just say uh, happy Mother's Day. And uh, it's a special time and uh, sad we couldn't be together, uh, but for sure, hopefully you'll have some great times of fellowship today uh, with your family and your loved ones. You see, uh, it's a very special time in uh, the life of many and also it can be a difficult time. And so just know uh, we're praying for you and, and uh, we love you and we look forward to getting back together soon. The title of today's message uh, is entitled Praise the Lord. And I can't think of a better title of a message, a better message to preach uh, in light of what is going on in our world around us. And uh, so we're going to look today in Revelation chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. But before we look at this particular passage, since we have uh, been uh, so long out of the book, uh, I just want to give you a brief uh, recap uh, and then we'll jump into our passage. Uh, you see the book of Revelation uh, for some has been a closed book, have not been uh, willing to open it or read it or even even uh, dare to wade off into it. Uh, but the idea of revelation is actually to unveil. God is wanting to reveal to us uh, his will and his plan. And so in the book of Revelation, you see him do that for us in a series of, uh, in some cases, apocalyptic or future type events. Uh, in other cases, though, he deals with certain things that are realities that we face right now. And so in the book, it lays out in three main sections. Uh, we see the first section dealing with the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ and all his majesty, glory and honor. Uh, we see that in chapter one. And then in the next movement, we see the church age dealing with the seven churches in Asia Minor. I believe that this is a set period of time in which the Lord is actively working and involved in human history. And we learn many things about what churches will face, what Christians will face, uh, the difficulties as well as the joys that will come in the church age. And, and then in chapter four, we see uh, this movement to highlight things that are going to be happening in heaven and on earth. And so we are in that third 
third movement, that third section of the book. And uh, not only are we in that movement, we have had an opportunity to go through and see the different judgments, whether it's the sealed judgments or the trumpet judgments or the bold judgments. We've had an opportunity to see how God is still working in the midst of, of this very difficult time to draw and to see people saved, their lives changed and transformed. We've seen him bring judgment uh, on this false world system. Uh, we've seen uh, the beast and the false prophet come up to the surface and uh, we see how God is going to deal specifically with them in these next chapters uh, of the book of Revelation. Uh, but today it's all about praise. It's all about praise. And uh, we're going to see hallelujah laid out for us. Uh, it, as a matter of fact, in the New Testament, this is the only place where you see uh, hallelujah here. And uh, that word, we borrowed that thing right over from the Hebrew. Uh, it's in every language you, you find it, you will find that word, hallelujah. It's a, it's a compound word, which means praise Yahweh. And so that's what we are here to do. We are here to worship and praise Yahweh. And so whenever you hear that, uh, hallelujah, that's what we are saying. And as we go through this, we're going to understand that I, I believe worship is warfare. And we're going to see some key things that 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 we worship God moving in two directions. We, we worship him, one, because of what he's done and we worship him, two, for what he's going to do. And so in this chapter, in this section, uh, we see uh, this wonderful time of worship and praise that's set before us. And so let me just lay out for us kind of the development. The, the reason why you are going to see the worship is because ultimately God brings into judgment the false world system. Uh, the Babylonians, we, we've heard about them in, in old times and antiquity, but there's going to be this same kind of a spiritual, uh, geographical understanding that God is going to judge. And so we see the response to that. And we see that God is going to judge them. Not only do we see he's going to judge this wicked system, we're going to see that his plan to bring the bride of Christ, there's going to be this great marriage supper of the lamb that's going to happen. We're going to see that that takes place. And also we're going to see that his character and his greatness is going to be on full display as we work through this text uh, this morning. You, you see, I'm going to submit to us that we should praise him for these three big picture things, and then we will break them down. But number one, we should praise the Lord because salvation is complete. You see, if nobody's told you uh, salvation is a process, it doesn't mean that we work for our salvation, but there's a process in which we come in and we are justified. Then we are just as saved as, can, as saved can be. But we go through this process of sanctification in which we are living differently because of that. And then and then out of that second piece, we are in glory, glorification, where we are out of the presence and out of the power and out of the penalty of sin. And so we are looking at these moments and we are turning our attention to these moments when we get to this text that God is doing exactly what he said he was going to do. You know, sometimes we can get impatient with the Lord and forget that this thing is a process. And we just got to remember that he's been in control from the beginning and he's going to always be in control. We're going to see that we should praise the Lord because he reigns. He reigns with his bride. You, you see, uh, the Lord has has a, a marriage in store. You could you could even say it's an arranged marriage where he's going to put his son with a sinful a group of folks. He's going to purify them and change and transform them. And so he has arranged this from eternity past. And we're going to see in a small glimpse of the excitement and what's going to happen whenever that comes to be a full reality for us. And then and lastly, we're going to look at the fact that we need to praise the Lord because of the testimony of Jesus. See, at the end of the day, 
we have to remember that this thing is all about Jesus. It always has been and it always will be about Jesus Christ. And so as we look at this, I believe we're going to find some great encouragement, some great strength to help us in these days, as well as moving forward about where our focus and our perspective should be. Before we jump into the text, I just was thinking about this idea of praise and worship. And in this text, I believe that what God wants to do is he wants to turn us all into cheerleaders. Now, I don't know how you feel about cheerleaders, how you feel about those folks that are you know, at games, that they are, they're shouting. But can I tell you, they, they always catch my attention because of their devotion to try to get people in the crowd to respond no matter what's happening on the field or on the court. I can remember going to a game with my family and the team that they were cheering for was getting beat down. You hear what I'm trying to tell you? Woodshed beat down. But the cheerleaders, they were still getting it in, pom-poms rolling and getting it in. And I just thought about, you know what, Lord? You know, sometimes when we look at the kingdom, it might seem like we're getting beat down out here. Saints getting beat down out here. But we can look to you in praise and we can, and we can see what you've done and, and we can cheer because the game is not over. Uh, you are still working and moving. And so when I think about this idea of praise, I believe that it connects us. It should be an outflow of the heart's condition that comes out of our lips. You see, I believe that what's down in the well comes up in the bucket. And whenever God is in you, when your devotion and purity of heart and relationship with him, that should come flowing out of your mouth in praise and adoration to him. And so let's look at our passage, our text. I'm going to read the whole thing and then we'll just break it down and have a good time. Revelation chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. After these things, I heard something like a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God. Because his judgments are true and righteous, for he has judged the great harlot who is corrupting the earth with her immorality. And he has avenged the blood of his bondservants on her. And a second time they said, hallelujah, her smoke, it rises up forever and ever. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worship God who sits on the throne saying, amen, hallelujah. And a voice came from the throne saying, give praise to our God. And you, his bondservants, you who fear him, the small and the great. Then I heard something like the voice of a great multitude and like the sound of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder saying, hallelujah. For the Lord, our God, the almighty reigns. Let us rejoice. And be glad and give the glory to him for the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, right, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the lamb. And he said to me, these are true words of God. Then I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, do not do that. 
I'm a fellow servant of yours and your brethren who hold the testimony of Jesus. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. See, the first thing we're going to see as we work our way through this text is that we should praise the Lord because salvation is complete. See, our text in verse one, it says this after these things, after the what things are you talking about here? John, what, what things are you trying to bring us into? You see, the things that he's talking about is the judgment of this false system, this system that dealt with commerce, this system that dealt with religious zeal and this false system, the Antichrist, the, the dragon, the beast that they have instituted. After these things, meaning God has come now and he has brought judgment upon them. And so after these things, he begins to unveil to us and to reveal to us a scene shift in heaven, what is happening. And there's going to be two movements here where we see a scene shift in heaven and a scene shift that highlights what's going to happen on earth. And so as we look to this, it says after these things, he is, he has dealt with this evil system. He's dealt with this evil system. And, and after making this shift, I want you to catch it now. It says, I heard something like a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven. Now, I know sometimes if you're not careful, you can, you know, see paintings and, you know, watch films and different movies and things that kind of paint heaven like a real stale place. Like, you know, we ain't trying to go there. Ain't nobody trying to be there. Can I just tell you, understand, uh, heaven is, is where you want to be. And uh, it's got a lot going on. And don't think that it's just like a library of quiet. Shh, don't say nothing up in here. And listen, I'm telling you, when it comes to praise and worship, don't play in heaven. And we see this great multitude. Now, notice we are not the multitude itself is not identified for us. Are these angels? Are these are these, you know, the saints? Are, is this the church? Who is this? I'm going to just lay out to you. I believe that these are angels. And I'll tell you why here in a minute, because I think you see this choir, a heavenly choir being built. And so as folks get to seeing what's going on, you have one group of God's creation begin to praise him and others get added and added and added. And so that thing just go off in there. And it says like thunder just rolling up in there. So as we see this, we recognize that they are responding to what God has done. So can I tell you, at its core, at its most simplest form, I believe that worship is responding to who God is and what he has done. You see, if we're not careful, we can fall into emotionalism. And that's making a whole lot of ruckus and racket, ruckus and racket, and there not being any reason or any person to actually worship. You see, sometimes in our lives, we have other things as our gods. We have other things and other perspectives and mindsets, and we can fall into emotionalism where we try to bring all the hype and all the stuff. But can I tell you, God don't need us to bring the hype. He already is the hype. He has the hype, and we should respond to what he does and who he is. And that's exactly what's happening in our text. They are responding. The text tells us that there are six things, reasons why they are responding. And let me just let me just give those to you quickly. They are number one responding because salvation. They're responding because of glory. That means the distinction of who God is. They are responding because of his power, what he has done. There's nobody more powerful, never has been and never will be. They are responding because his judgments are true and righteous. Understand that in our day, a lot of folks get all concerned and in an uproar about injustices and all these things. Let me just tell you, God will cut it straight every single time. You don't have to worry about it. You can look to him and trust him that he's going to cut it straight every time. And, and the worshipers, though this multitude, they are responding because that is true that throughout human history, no matter what ails or ailments or, or, or things that think things that have happened, God is still cutting it straight. 
He will judge correctly. They also are praising because the text tells us that they have, that, that he has avenged the blood of his bondservants. Can I just tell you, when you look at verses two and three, he is laying out for us these things. He deals with the heartache because of her immorality and the things she's done. But then right there, it says he avenged the blood of his bondservants. Can, can I just tell you that throughout history, People that have loved the Lord Jesus Christ have tried to follow him with their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Let me tell you, bad things have happened. And many times we ask ourselves the question, man, why do these things happen to folks that are surrendered and loving the Lord? Let, let me just tell you, the Lord has not forgotten. He has not missed it. And can I just tell you, you, you don't want to be between the Lord and his people and be holding the switch as you didn't beat them. You, you don't want to be that person. You don't want to be the one holding the whip. You don't want to be the one that's because I'm telling you, he is going to avenge his bondservants. And on that day, those multitudes, they, they will worship and they will praise him because he has kept his word. And I want you to understand, we don't, we don't glory. We don't get excited about the judgment of the wicked. It breaks our heart. But what we are saying is what we get excited about is the fact that God is true to his word. He said he's going to take care of us. He's going to take care of business. He's going to do the things that, that he knows we need. And we see the fulfillment of it right in front of us. You see, they worship and they glory because he avenges. But also they worship in their glory. In verse three, we see the next hallelujah rang out because her smoke rises. Catch this now up forever and ever. And what, what re, the reason why they are worshiping here is because whenever God acts and he moves, when he moves in this time, it will be complete. There's not going to be another uprising. There's not going to be another time where, the, where this particular system comes in and it takes over. It's going to be forever and ever the destruction that he brings. It's going to be complete. You know, in our day, it's hard to see things, you know, really come to completion. You know, you're working in your yard and you throw down some, some weed killer and then you got that thing looking good only to find out that a little bit later you got to throw a little bit more down. They then came back. Or in our day, you find out, man, you got yourself looking good. You went, you know, all of us running around looking a little rough around the head. Appreciate you getting me taken care of, right? And, you know, I know I get it cut, but then it's come back looking a little rough again. And there's, there's many things in our day that we see that, that you, you, you try to get it in order, whether you're a fitness buff, right? You're going in the gym, working out, gym's back opened up. You try to look good, right? And you recognize, man, no matter what I do, it's just not going to stay that way. My chest rolled down to my stomach. I mean, it just, it just, it's sad. But understand that when God acts, when he moves in this time in history, it will be a decisive move. And, and they're praising because it's forever and ever. See, God is going to make the move. He's going to tend to business. You see, in this movement, the, the choir, I love you, you see it, it, it begins to grow. It begins to, to grow. The, the praise and the worship, it, it, it begins to grow. I want you to look with me. Verse, I'm going to start in verse 2, and I'm going to roll down through it. After these judgments, because the judgments, they are true and righteous. For he has judged the great harlot, who is corrupting the earth with her immorality, and he has avenged the blood of his bondservants and, on her. Then catch this, the second hallelujah, they said, catch that, hallelujah came out the other side. Her smoke rise up forever and ever. Now catch this, verse four, we're going to add to the multitude 
I believe we're going to add to the multitude that are already praising Holland. Hallelujah. Catch it in verse four. It says this, the 24 elders and the four living creatures, they fell down and they worship God who sits on the throne saying, amen. Hallelujah. So now we see this thing spreading out again. We, we were introduced to these individuals earlier. And I believe that it highlights the work of God, Old and New Testament, where he worked with the tribes and he worked with the disciples. He's moving those together, helping us to be able to establish on a firm foundation for the church. You know, we, we talk about creatures being in God's creation, that he is over all those. There are four of them that have different faces, really representing the different types of, of creation that he has made. And we see this, that, that now it is joining in this, this course. And he adds to the choir. And we ain't done just yet because there's a whole nother group that's getting ready to come. But can I just tell you, heaven, worship is there. And I believe it should be your aim and my aim to join in this praise and worship that's going on all the time. No matter the circumstances that are happening around us or within us. I believe we should look to it. See, I believe that our response today should be taken from a passage in the Old, in the Old Testament Psalm 16:11. If you're taking notes, you can jot that down. Psalm 16:11. I, I want us to look at that together. It says this, Psalm 16:11. You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is the fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures forever. You see, this world system has tried to entice and pull God's people away from him, his heart, his, from his heart, from his mind, from his ways all this time. But understand, we are satisfied in Jesus. And when we are satisfied in Jesus, our worship and our adoration flows to him. We focus in on him and we understand that this world is not going to draw a heart, not going to draw minds. We refuse to yield to it. But in praise and adoration internally, moving vertically with praise corporately, we call to him. You see, if we're not careful, in this world, we can act like thermometers. See, a thermometer, it, it, it reads the, 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 the room or it reads the, the weather outside and it just, it just tells what happens. And so, so many, so many of us in this world, we just read whatever's happening in our world. We, that's, we get angry when this happens or we get sad when this happens. We just, we just act like everybody else in the world. But let me just tell you, God has not called us to be thermometers. He's called us to be thermostats, to set the temperature, to set the temperature in the culture that we understand that our hope is set in the bedrock work of Jesus Christ. So it doesn't matter what is happening around us or within us or what's happening in the city or in our state or in our nation. We don't get up and down like everybody else, but we tap into this age old truth that God is on the throne and is not moved and he is reigning. Too many of us all running around like chicken little, like the sky falling. Let me just tell you. I'm not chicken little, neither are you, and the sky is not falling. God is still in control. And he's calling us to see that in his presence, as we come before him, as a fullness of joy, everything we need, be satisfied. See, I, I find that what happens here in this movement, in this first movement, is that he's calling us to come into worship. He's calling us to see it, to see him for who he is. The, the small and the great. He's calling us to see him for who he is. I want you to look with me now in verse five. Notice it says this. And a voice came from the throne. We don't know the voice. We don't know who it is. Came from the throne. Says this. Give praise to our God. All you his bond servants. You who fear him. The small and the great. So we see that choir get bigger and bigger and bigger. We're going to see what happens here in just a second. But understand, I believe that in our lives, we should set our mark right there. 
And I think because this is not common, we have, we have misunderstood our relationship with the Lord. If you're taking notes, I just want you to jot down Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. Deuteronomy 6, 5. And I believe this is what we have to understand. It says this, you shall love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Like that, all of your being. That, that's what he's asking for. He's he not asking for a little peace over here, a peace on Sunday. Or, or listen, he's not asking for you to love the Lord when you gather around folks that love him or gathering around folks that, that, that you know. Hey, he's asking you at all times, this is who you should be. No matter whether you're on social media, no matter whether you're with your friends, no matter whether you're fishing, no matter whether you're out at the court hooping, playing ball, grilling, like this is who you are. This is who we are to be. There's an ethic that should run through no matter where we are, what we say, what the medium is. It should cause us to understand that God is concerned about our lives. The heart condition, what's down in the well comes up in the bucket. What we say, whether we type it out on the phone, whether we put it out on the computer, whether we drop it in on a blog, whether we drop it in on an email, he is concerned about all those things things and he's calling us to look to him and love him with our heart so mind and strength and to allow it to express itself in worship you see we should love him we should praise him because the salvation is complete but not only that though we should praise him because he reigns with his bride he reigns with his bride in verses six through eight we see this movement, and, and, and as we look at this, it's important to understand some key concepts here. That from the beginning, God, God has laid out for us, I believe that in, in human history, and even in the institutions that he established, he, he established marriage, and even in these institutions, he's giving us some information about himself and how he operates and how he functions. And so let's just look at it together. Revelation 19, verses 6 through 8, say this. Then I heard something like the voice of a great multitude and like the sound of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder saying, hallelujah, for the Lord, our God, the almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to him for the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean. For the fine linen is a righteous acts of the saints. So that voice came out of heaven and he said, listen, we need to add a few more to the choir. He, he, I can just see the choir director. He just looked over there and said, he, he did that right there. And all the bond servants, they got real loud. And you see what the text says? That thing got so loud up there. They're like, who's thundering up in here? It's like water. He was trying to, to describe the sound. Now, the only thing I know, and I guarantee it's not any, anywhere close, is that if you go to a, an arena and there's like 70-some thousand folks, 80-some thousand folks, whenever their team is doing good, as they begin to get ready to score, they go, <laughs> like you can't even tell the voices apart. It just makes this crazy sound. Now, last time I heard that, I wasn't too excited about it. But that's a topic for a whole nother day. But when we look at this, we look at the, the dynamics here. And, and he comes in in verse 6, and he tells us that, that this voice said, hey, listen, you need, you need to get your praise right. Get, get ready. Get ready. And we see that it responds in that way. And how they praise him, they say, hallelujah, praise the Lord. But then they say, here, here we go. Why? For the Lord our God Almighty, what does he do? Reigns. Don't miss it. You see, we have looked at these things in the past. This is, this is important here. 
We've looked at these things in the past about kind of how he salvation and glory and power and his judgments and how he's going to avenge. And so, but now this particular hallelujah, as we begin to move, it's moving us forward. We're praising him not just because of what he did, but we're praising him because of what he's going to do in the position where he's going to be. And so when we praise, understand it's not just about the past. We should praise him for the past. There's a whole lot we can talk about. But I think by faith, we should look forward and say, God, I believe there's some things you want to do. I think there's some things that you are going to do. And I'm going to praise you because of it. See, it says he reigns. He reigns over everything and everyone. If I ain't said it just yet, he reigns over everything and everyone. You see, the way in which this reign is expressed, though, is very important. Because right now there's a whole lot of people that they don't know that he's he's reigning. But can I tell you, there's going to come a time in human history where his his reign is going to be visible and it's going to be permanent. It's already permanent. What, what I mean by that is hey, we, we don't see your will be done in heaven on earth as it is in heaven. Like right now, we're kind of in between that time. But there's going to come a time where his reign is going to be visible. No, nobody's going to have to wonder who is in charge here. Because it's going to be clear. It's going to be visible. It's going to be permanent. How, how do we know that? Well, we see this in verse 7. It says, let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to him for the marriage of the lamb. Is, it has come and his bride has made herself ready. This is the moment. This is the moment. We, we've been waiting for this now. You see this arranged marriage. This arranged marriage where the son of God is going to have this bride. This, this, can I just say, I'm a, I might stir up a little dust here, but I'm going to just call it like it is. This interracial bride here. This, that's a biracial bride. You hear what I'm trying to tell you? She probably got good hair. You understand me? But it's, it's made of Jew and Gentile. This bride, Jew and Gentile. We've been waiting on this thing. We, we've been looking forward to this thing. And when we, when we see this, we must understand that this is the time where it comes together, where folks who have been sinners, separated from God, they came by faith into a relationship, and now they have been brought back together. And this is the moment where we see it come, where it all comes together. It's a beautiful thing. Now, let, let me just speak to this just for a second. You see, the reality of this has shown itself in this way, that Jesus Christ, he laid his life down. He, he laid his life down. He sacrificed so that way he'll be able to have a bride. Can I just tell you, men, you didn't ask for this. This is extra right here real quick. That's a great thing for you to do. Sacrifice for, for, for your bride. You, you might say, you know what, preacher, I ain't married just yet. If you can get in habit, I learn how to daily make sacrifice for the Lord. Be ready for that. I'm telling you, you'll be a great catch. Hallelujah. We can hook you up now. But when we think about this, he sacrificed to be able to save and purify. And so when we think about this, I want you to just hear me for a second, the, the timeline and the movement of how this works. You see, in the culture, you would have a time of evaluation. That's where the, the bride and groom-to-be, they would kind of either hear about one another, they would kind of know what's going on, what, who are their people, who they are. You can read in the Old Testament, there are many brides that were sought out there. You hear this evaluation, who are people? That was kind of the first thing. Is she from our clan? Is she, is she faithful? Is she, you know, who, who are they? That's a very common thing. So you have this time of evaluation. And then if, if they like the evaluation, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. Then there will be this time of engagement, which would seal it up like it was married, except they didn't live together and they show and having physical relations with one another. OK. And so there will be this time of engagement and it would be for a period of time. And the bride, she wouldn't know whenever her groom was going to come in. Everybody had to jump. They'd be excited. And she just had to be ready. That makes sense. She had to have herself together. 
And then at that moment, he come get a bride. Then they marry. Boom, it comes together. But then they go and they go chill for a little bit, right, together. And then they come back out of chilling. They had this big old party. They had this big old party. And then after the big old party, then they roll to the new spot, the new place. So let me just lay it down for you what's happening here in front of us. Because I tell you, God, I love how he rolls here. See, the Lord Jesus Christ, he came down in the flesh and he dwelt among us. And when he came down and he dwelt among, among us, there was a time of evaluation. He was evaluating us. We were evaluating him. He said, uh, y'all show sinful around here. But that's all right. I love you anyways. And we were looking at him kind of skeptical. Some of us looking at him skeptical like, who is he? Is he real? Is he the right one? Is he the Messiah? Is this the one I'm supposed to trust? And there was evaluation that went on. And then he came down and can I tell you, he sacrificed, he laid his life down. He made a pledge to us. It's a beautiful thing. And so we came in this engagement. We didn't got together in this engagement. Right. And so now what we are waiting on is saying, come and wait on him to come get us. We, that's why we got to be ready, living for the Lord, ready to roll. And so then this beautiful thing, I, I believe what happens is that we go and we go to be with him. In the new spot, he got it laid out for us. And then they're going to come to this big party. We're going to all come down. I'm going to call it the millennial reign. We're going to get there here in just a minute as we work through this book. And they're going to be this big old party, right? And then heaven going to descend, new heaven, new earth. And that's forever where we are going to live. It's a beautiful thing. And so what we see here, why is everybody so hyped? Why is everybody so excited? Well, you read what the text says. Man, the party time has come. And, and you know, I don't know about y'all. But that's one of my favorite parts about a wedding is to see smiles and laughter. That's one of my favorite things. Now, before I was saved, you know, I love the dancing part, you know, because of music. You throw a Cupid shuffle on for a brother, electric slide or whatever it is. I'm right in there with you. You understand? Right. You know, I'm in there. But now, you know, I got to keep it saved and sanctified. I still cut a little rug. But we love the party. And that, that's the supper, the marriage supper where God, you, you see all these things that he has done. And now he is bringing it to its final completion is a beautiful thing but we're not finished yet because you know I've been a part of many weddings as a pastor I've had obviously had my own I'm married we over 12 years in that thing I see you babe okay and, and can I just tell you one of the most important parts that I found that the bride when what she's thinking about she's thinking about that dress you hear what I'm trying to tell you she's thinking about that dress and did you catch it even God has something to say about how about how the bride the bride is clothed did you did you see it I know you saw it in verse 8, it says this, it was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Now, this is pretty cool because in verse 7, it says that she has made herself ready. And then it says she was given the, the, this, this, this fine linen. So which one is it? Did, did she do it or, or was it given to her? The answer is yes. I'm so glad you asked up in here. Now, how, how does that work? You see, what you wear is important. So how, how in the world does this all work out? So let me just lay this to you. I believe that these righteous acts are the things that the book of Revelation have been laying out for us. For example, it's highlighted the fact that, that, the, that this bride, the reason why, clothed, that this bride's made ready because been faithful, remain faithful. It's obeyed. The, the bride is obeyed. It's been sharing the gospel and it's endured hardships. You, you see, I believe that all these things are actual acts that the saints, that they do. But can I tell you, the power behind it comes from God. Let, let, me, let me just read a passage. If you're taking notes, I want you to jot down Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. Philippians 2, 12 says this. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Catch it now. What does it say? 
Work out your salvation. It don't say work for your salvation. It says you already got it. Now work that thing out. Okay? Work out your salvation. How? With fear and trembling. Take it seriously. Be focused. Now catch it. Now here's the other piece. We have to do that. Here's the other piece. For it is God who is at work in you. Who, who is at work? God is at work in you. Catch it now. Both to will and to work for who? His good pleasure. I need y'all in here with me now. I need you with me. It's both and that this, this, the, 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 the righteous acts, the saints performed them, but the only way they could perform them is because God was the one inside working and doing it. So we are responsible, but I understand the power is not coming from us. It's coming from the Lord. And so when we see this, we have to, we have to, to understand that this is a beautiful time, clothed. You know, we, we all understand this. I, I think about the fact that when you look at Old and New Testament, these saints, these acts, these things that they've done to make, to make ready. Let me just give you a couple examples, Old and New Testament. I'm going to keep pushing. But y'all remember my boy Noah? Noah, by faith, built a boat. You understand me? Not a drop of water had ever hit this thing. Not a drop of water. He out there building a boat. Can you imagine the people looking at him like, man, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? But can I tell you that righteous act of obedience, it saved him and his family, and they were the only human beings to make it up out of there. What about my boy David? Y'all know my boy David. David was a bad man. I like to say David will sing his song and cut you all at the same time. Keep playing with it. And when we look at David, he, he had enough faith and, and, and righteous acts to look at Goliath and go down with a slingshot to go fight a warrior, a giant. But what happened? He beat that boy down right there, took care of business, became king right there. I can give you, I can give you many more examples. So I'm going to do that. It's Mother's Day. What, what about my girl, Sarah? Y'all remember Sarah? What, what, what would it take to be advanced in years like she was and you out there shopping in the maternity section? You hear what I'm trying to tell you? You shopping in the maternity section. And I guarantee everybody looking at her like, you know, what this lady doing? She in the wrong department, ain't she? But by faith, looking at her boy eyes. So just to understand that these, these righteous acts of faith, I believe God works and moves. What, what about the New Testament? Our boy Peter. He stood out, looked at Jesus, walked on water. I'm going to give you example after example. What about our Lord? He was willing to be strung up on a cross, but that's not the end of the story. Came up out of the grave three days later, victorious, and he's saving and drawing and changing us continually. Thousands of years later, and he's changing lives. So these, these righteous acts, these movements, that, that, that they are the things that are, are showing and they're giving glory to God. They, they were involved in the process, but it was God who was working all the time in and through their life. What about your life? You've been willing to submit, to surrender by faith to him and let him live in you and through you so you can be here at this wonderful celebration? Because I believe he wants you to be there. The last thing I want us to see is this last point, verses 9 and 10 we should praise the Lord because of the testimony of Jesus. Can I just tell you, I can't think of a better text that that thing teed high and we're going to hit it and watch it fly. Because this thing right here, I just want you to hear. Verses 9 and 10. Then he said to me, write, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are true words of God. Then I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, don't do that. I'm a fellow servant of yours and your brethren who hold the testimony of Jesus. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus, spirit of prophecy. What this angel said was, listen, you're about to get me in trouble, Jack. 
We, you, we don't do that. The last, the last angel that was trying to get worship around here didn't go too well for him. I need you to get on up. And you know, this, this is fascinating because this section right here tells us, don't miss it in the midst of all these things. You know, people come, I got a word of prophecy. I got to give a prophecy. And they talking about all this other mess. Understand that every pro- it finds its fulfillment in Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying here. That the litmus test and the ultimate aim and goal is that we would understand Jesus, that God is going to take on flesh, dwell among man, handle business. He's going to be ascended. He's going to be sitting at the right hand. He's going to come back down and reign. Put everything under. That is the point. The, the, the guide, the direction is Jesus. He is the one. He is the way in which we interpret all of this book, Revelation, and all the other 65 books that's in this thing. You understand me? He is the one. And, and that's what he's showing us. Get your focus right. Don't let the pleasantries of this world, the wealth of this world system, this evil thing that we are a part of right now, even though we're not connected to it because we are saved and we've been set free. Don't let these things tempt you. Not even, don't even let an angel come before you and God. Don't even do it. Don't, don't even for one second give this world or any created thing or anybody else, only God, your devotion and your worship. That's what he's saying to us. See, we exist. When he says, listen, when he says you worship God, when he makes that declaration, what he's telling us here is very important that we exist to assert God's will in this place. To let everybody know that in every place, I, I jotted it down so I wouldn't forget it, that we exist to, to assert the Lord's rightful place wherever it has been perverted. That's what he's saying here. See, see. All around us, there's perversion. That's what the enemy loves to do. He loves to skew or to shift how people think about God, what they think God is like or who he is or how they should respond to him. And so when he says worship God, he's setting a record straight here. And he's saying, listen, at every place, you need to do the right thing and you need to assert the truth about the Lord wherever it is. And can I just give some examples? In your entertainment, assert the truth of God, who he is. In your sports, in your art. In the church, there's some church that the Lord ain't even up in there no more. Assert the truth of who he is, where, wherever you are. Don't miss it. But then there's another piece here. This angel, did you notice? He didn't want to accept worship. And there's some folks that's going to come to your house and they're going to tell you, oh, you know, Jesus, he created, he angel. When they tell you that, you need to look at them and say, uh-uh, that's not true. That ain't happening. You see, when you look at the Bible, New Testament, New Testament lets us know Peter, he worshiped Jesus. Thomas, let me just tell you, t- down Thomas, that's my guy. Thomas kept it real. He kept it real when he was disappointed, and he kept it real whenever the Lord appeared in that room, and he didn't have to open the door. He said, oh, my Lord and my God. And he didn't say my God because he was surprised. <gasps> oh, my God. No, no, no. He was making a declaration of faith. And as we look at this, we see this. It, it, folks that couldn't stand Jesus even knew what he was saying. Let, let, let me just give you a passage. In John 5, 18, because I know somebody need this because you got to keep Jesus first. And if you're going to keep him first, you got to keep him right in context. Says this. For this reason, therefore. The Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Why? Why were they trying to kill him? Because he not only was breaking the Sabbath. But also was calling God his his own father. Y'all ready for making himself say with me equal with God. This is not the only place we see this. If you go to the next chapter in John Gospel, John 9, 38, after he heals the man born blind, the man born blind, he had enough sense to, to catch who Jesus was. The text tells us in this verse that he bowed down and he worshiped Jesus and Jesus didn't say, oh, no, don't you do that. 
He said, well, you're doing the right thing. Let me just tell you something real quick. Can I just tell you as I close this morning? If there are going to be times when we look at this world and we see what's happening on the field of this world, and it seems like our team is getting beat down. But can I tell you, I believe that God is looking for us to be cheerleaders. He's looking for us to praise him, to, to call out, to, to talk about who he is and what he's doing. You know, sometimes when it comes to this life, we do a whole lot of talking to God about our problems, but sometimes we need to talk to our problems about God and we need to let them know. Let me just tell you who I serve. Let me just tell you who working and moving in my life. And while we might not understand his methods, we should never question his motivations, his heart. And we can trust that and we can look to it if we'll be willing to praise him. You see, this text gives us a beautiful picture of what's to come. And we're just getting started. Can I ask you, have you been willing to give your life to the Lord? I can't think of a better day than today. I can't think of a better time than right now if you'll be willing to surrender. I'm going to pray and I would love for you to pray with me. And call out to the Lord Jesus Christ to come into your life, to save you, and to transform you. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you. And Lord, I'm so excited about the prospect of heaven. The things that have been going on in our world, it's reminding me, and I hope, hope it's reminding us, that this is not our home. But we are here on a temporary, this is a work visa type situation for us. We are here to work for the king and his kingdom. And to see souls saved and connected to that kingdom. And so, Lord, I just pray if there's any that are watching today, they've never given their life to you. That, Lord Jesus, they would surrender their life to you. They would call out and they would say, Lord Jesus, save me, change me, transform me, and use me. Lord, I believe that if they'll call out to you in faith, and repentance turning from their ways to you, that, Lord, you will bring them into the family. Lord, I pray that you will help us, those that have surrendered our life to you, help us to have this perspective, Lord, where we praise you, Lord, because you are worthy. We don't fall into emotionalism, Lord, but we respond to who you are and what you've done, just like our brothers and sisters, just like the angels did, just like the four living creatures going to do, just like the 24 elders, Lord, the multitudes, Lord, let us connect and tap into that power because I believe it's available even right now. And Lord, you'd help us live lives of prayer. Let, let us be worshipers. And that Lord, you'd use us for your glory. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I hope God spoke to you during the message today. We want to know about it. You can fill out a connection card at wordbaptist.com slash connection card. We want to help you through any spiritual questions you may have while you're on this journey. You see, we believe that the first step is for a person to give their life to Jesus Christ. The Bible is very clear that the greatest need that humanity has is to be saved. And that the only way to be saved is through Jesus Christ. If you will agree with God that you need him for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will turn to him in repentance and believe in him, uh, you will be saved. The Bible says that you do this by one, believing that Jesus Christ died and was raised from the dead and that you believe that his payment is sufficient for you, that you will call out to him as Lord and Savior, he will save you. If you're listening to this service and do not have a church home, we would love for you to come and be our guest during a time of worship. We have multiple services. We would love to meet you personally and have you here for worship. You can check us out at wordbaptist.com for service time. If you've missed any sermons, they're all archived there online, so you can go back and watch them. You can connect with us on social media, at Word Baptist. If you would like to invest in the ministry and continue the spread of the gospel, 
you can give online at wordbaptist.com give. I'm so grateful that you've joined us today, and I hope you've learned something that you can apply to your life, and we hope to see you again next time right here at Word Baptist Church.